This is Puck Year, New Zealand's hockey podcast with hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury, bringing you the best stories and interviews from down under. Puck here for another week, and uh, it's our very first video podcast. Going trans Tasman with this. Uh, I'm here in Sydney, and we also have Joe back in Auckland with a very special guest. Come in, Joe. That is right, Logan. We are joined in the plush ACC studio uh, by Justin Daigle, the uh, captain of the West Auckland Admirals, and um, just. Truth be told, there was some minor technical issues before this podcast. Actually, even the start of the podcast, we had to uh, re-record again. I feel like it's all your fault too. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit flustered from the um, technical issues, but we guarantee you that this podcast will go to air and you will be able to hear it. It won't be lost into a different uh, dimension. So Justin, welcome. Welcome again. Yep. And welcome for the third time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully I'm not the the bad luck guy here in the jinx and we can get this one on the air. Oh, you're definitely not. Um, And I (laughs) I swear we're a professional organization most of the time. Uh, But to to start things off, just just so we can make it all clear, uh, definitively, is it Justin Daig or is it Justin Daigle? Uh, well, it's that's a little tricky uh, in proper French pronunciation because it is a French uh, Canadian last name. Uh, it is Deg, so there's like a little bit of a roll of the tongue there for the the G L E. But um, in all fairness, I, I'm not picky, and and Daigle or Deg, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Nice. Well, um, yeah, let's get right into the heart of things. Obviously, the uh, 2018 NZHL season, uh, after so many years of trying, the West Auckland Admirals, you guys finally lay claim to the Virgil Cup. And now you've been through quite a few hard years before that with the team finishing last and, you know, allowing a ton of goals. So how does it feel to now come out on the other side of that as a champion? Oh, obviously just an incredible feeling. Um, you know, from, from day one, my time in New Zealand, I knew that that dressing room was, had something special in it. Um, so it's a testament to all those boys that have been around, uh, over the years and, and just the, the culture they've created. And, um, again, last, last year was just such a gutsy effort by everybody, uh, losing two imports going into the final like that was just, um, you know, heartbreaking but at the end of the day everybody just picked up the slack and got the job done so it was uh it was just amazing and and again uh the the, the quality of the group is just unbelievable really tight-knit as the uh as the captain of the squad you get to to hoist the cup first uh what was it like being in that presentation and knowing that you know you're looking back at your team and everything that that moment you are about to lift lift the cup yeah so i mean at first you got to take the picture uh with the president uh and so uh as soon as that's done it's it's kind of like give it to me you just want it right away but um (laughs) but after that it's like you just turn around and face the boys and and get over to them as quick as you can and and start the celebration because it took everybody um to contribute to that effort so um and obviously gareth mcleish one of the long time longest serving admirals uh he got the handoff first and so it uh but again it's just just about you know celebrating with everybody because uh, everybody had input on that so one of the uh one of, sorry like one of the uh traditions that was kind of going around social media last year was the uh the uh pose oh, in the gosh. changing room oh with yeah the one guy naked yeah um who's who was pushing that from your guys side of things 
Well, Dale? I know that with, well, with, with, yeah. with that ice black, the Trans Tasman challenge that they had there, uh, Dale was the guy that ended up on top of the shoulders. So, um, yeah, Dale and, and Fraser Ellis is always in the mix there right. with those types yeah. of things. So, <laughs> not to throw him under the bus, but that's interesting because uh, recently I did a video uh, with Joel Rinderlove and Chaba, and we asked, you know, if you were stuck in jail, who would bail you out? And Chaba mentioned Fraser because he'd probably be in there with them. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I remember seeing that actually. Yeah, Trevor was pretty funny in that one. Now, obviously, uh, last year the uh, NZHL introduced a brand new uh, playoff format, playoff format, the two v three one off playoff, uh, to decide who would go through to the Virgil Cup Finals to play the number one seed. Uh, are you a fan of that new format, or would you prefer to go back to the old way with no semi final? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, I was actually at the AGM when that got proposed and it was actually um, us that, you know, the admirals that had suggested it um, for, for so long. You know, once you got to the end of June, you kind of knew who the top two were going to be. And so, you know, third, fourth and fifth, it was it was kind of like, all right, well, season's over now. And so um, the idea was was just uh, centered around the idea of making it more competitive all the way through the regular season schedule. So um, I'm a fan of it. Uh, it. It puts a lot of pressure on that second place team to still have to beat third. But it just means that third place is in the running right to the very end, which means that fourth place has a chance to take third. And so it just keeps things tight all the way through the schedule um, so that you're not uh, having an understanding of what those those top two teams are come the end of June. So it, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I would like to see it even get extended a little further um, to, to do, you know, almost like a, a best of three series for that, um, that, that semifinal and then a best of five for the final would be sweet. So. Yeah, that would be good. That would <laughs> yeah. be good. That's, yeah, and no. that's taking uh, the NZHL to another level there. I like that. Yeah, it would be. And, and I'd like to see the regular season be extended too, but everything, it's always, it's always inhibited by finance and cost. So um, still a few hurdles to jump before that happens, but I, I would love to see an expansion before I retire. Let's put it that way. <sighs> expansion would be great. <laughs> um, would you, I guess the big question is, is Wellington? Wellington the first place yeah. you would look to I, expand? I, I would say, I mean, they, they've already got themselves a, a, an association down there yeah. um, and and um, talks of, uh, of a proper rink. I mean, I know that Frosty Spot is great. I've, I've been down there and met with Rob and um, and what he's doing is, is awesome, but it, it, it isn't NZIHL ready by any means. So you, you, there's still a lot of legwork to go into it, but Wellington would be, yeah, definitely the next place on the list. Uh, uh, and, and they already have such a prominent inline community mm. that it, it would it would translate quite easily. So I, I would say, yeah, Wellington would be next up. So uh, obviously Wellington Seals maybe some point at the in the uh, NZHL there. But um, what were your because you did go down, like you said, uh, to the frosty spot sometime last year with uh, our good friend Cam Green. So when you were there, what was like your initial impression of of the rink there? Yeah, I mean, I was I was taken back. I I, uh, I expected it to be a little smaller scale, even though I knew it was small. Um, it still feels a little bit bigger than it is when you're out there. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, the the facility is pretty cool. You walk through like a go kart complex, and then you're into <laughs> yeah. a paint paintball zone, and then you're you know putting your skates out on to go out on the rink. But uh, location is sweet, right down by the water. Like that is is really cool. But um, obviously, there's some work to be done. Like not not throwing Rob under the bus, but I, I ended up taking a slap shot with a learn to play stick and put a hole in the board. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't, I don't know that it's anywhere near NZIHL ready, but just just to get people in skates and and to help. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, generate that that initial sort of push to to generate interest is is just unbelievable. It's it's really cool, and um, they're already having huge success. I know Punchy with the Frozen Fours that that tournament uh, or mini league uh, ended up ended up being quite a success. So um, you, you don't need the greatest ice in the world just to generate that interest and get people out there. So it's what he's doing is awesome. Yeah, not at all. I mean, um, you know, we've got a documentary coming out later this year, actually looking at what they're doing in Wellington. And um, one big thing that I took away from chatting with Rob is that what they have now, um, that is that is the beginning of things is by no means the end at all. And it's just going to keep yep. building and getting bigger and bigger. So, I mean, friggin' exciting things to come uh, in Wellington for sure. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, you've obviously you've had a great um 12 months or so with hockey and it kind of bookends um you know a really nice comeback story for you actually you missed a good chunk of games in 2017 uh after suffering that you know that horrific eye injuries tell us a bit more about that road to recovery for you uh yeah i mean it was uh it was (laughs) pretty traumatic to be fair um I ended up spending five days in hospital after the fact, and and um, had had some pretty pretty serious uh, pain and nausea and all that stuff. I didn't know that that uh, the body's natural reaction to an eye injury like that, when the eye swells up, is nausea. So you just start vomiting like crazy, and so wow. when when your eye feels like it's going to explode, that's not the best thing because you're sitting there like you know heaving. Um, but but anyways, uh, road to recovery. I. For a while there it was really touch and go. First first week it was it was looking like the eye was gonna have to come out. Um, so that was pretty devastating um, for for initial news. Like a, 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 like when it happened, uh, your normal sort of pressure in your eyes meant to be between fifteen and twenty psi, and I was at forty two. Um, and, and I was on the, the red alert as they call it. So I had to get up every two hours to have the pressure checked. And if it hit 45, they were going to go through, uh, emergency surgery and, and take it out. So, um, I'm very, very lucky to still have it and, uh, lucky that it happened in, in Auckland to be fair, because, um, that, that green lane eye clinic is, uh, world renowned. It's, it's arguably the best in the Southern hemisphere. And so I was in incredibly good hands, um, so my my uh, my surgeons and all the specialists, I, I ended up dealing with a team of four, um, and so they they performed a, a once off. They, it was uh, they called it a one in one one in a million procedure with a, a one in a million results. So um, I was I was pretty happy with that. Um, they yeah they they ended up presenting my case at the international ophthalmology uh, conference um that was uh in spain actually so it wow. was again some some cutting edge cutting edge stuff that they did <laughs> um so that uh i mean it, everything was stable so i ended up pushing the surgery a little bit and my mom flew out here to uh to come visit um so it's unfortunate it was under shitty circumstances but at the same time it was cool that she got to come and check out new zealand um and then she was there for for my pre-op and then my post-op um but yeah, post op, it was it was a bit t- touch and go as well. They they ended up having to take out my internal lens and replace it, um, so that required two incisions on the eye. Um, and so, one of the worst parts of the whole injury was the stitches that you're left with on oh. the eyeball because <laughs> oh. they stay there for two weeks. And so it's like you got something in your eye right, for two you can, weeks straight. So you can kind of see a little. You you, can't, you don't see them at all because right. the the incisions were on the white part of the eye, right. but you feel it. So right. every time you blink, every time you're opening and closing that eye, it rubs on the eyelid. And oh. so it was incredibly annoying and uh, and painful and just uncomfortable. Um, but again, it was awesome. Uh, even though I'm, I was 30 years old, 
uh, having mom there was pretty that's, cool. It's always good to um, have mom. Yeah. And that year the imports were great cause they were living with me and, uh, and they helped, uh, they helped a lot with taking care of little things I needed and, and believe it or not, punchy deserves a pretty big shout out. Um, he ended up staying the night at the hospital with me the night it happened, um, and was helping me call my family the next day. And, and, uh, yeah, I think he missed four or five days of work those first four or five days and, and was kind of by my side all the way through it. So, um, and then he even set me up. It was pretty cool. Cause I had, I had seven different eye drops I had to take once I got released from the hospital and I had to take them on like a really set schedule and it was too much to keep track of. So Punchy took a big whiteboard that I had at home and he wrote it all out for me and then put it right next to my bed so I could look over and just whatever time the alarm went off, I knew exactly what to take. And so now Punchy was huge. Um, but no, I was, uh, it, it took a while to get back into just skating and, and to be fair, like I was left with a bit of, you know, post-traumatic stress type stuff. And I was a bit head shy for quite a while. So I wore a cage. I don't know if you remember through BHL, but, yeah. uh, that was just literally not because of any, any worry of, of injuring it. It was just to get my head around being in close quarters again and in the corners and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's just, you got, you got, got a, I got a bit head shy to be fair. So, uh, but I'm through that now and, uh, it took a while to sort of retrain the peripherals and, get things comfortable on the forehand side again. So it, it was frustrating. I kept losing the puck, which never happened uh, beforehand. And and I would just like, all of a sudden it'd be off my stick. I'd be going to make a pass and puck would be behind me. So, uh, but retrain muscle memory is awesome. And, and, um, and yeah, I was able to retrain it. And um, other than, than some peripheral issues and, and obviously just a lack of overall vision in that right eye. Um, I feel, uh, feel good, feel, feel as good as I ever have. So. Man, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's human, a crazy, crazy story. But. Human body and science is quite, um, oh, it's fucking crazy. Modern medicine, man. <laughs> like, Jesus, if I if it was like Roman times, I'd be dead. They'd yeah. just like, yeah. no, that's it. It would have been infected. I would have died of an eye injury. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I would have been dead a long time ago. We were living <laughs> yeah, in Roman days. Touche, touche. Um, there, there was a video that, that you posted um, of you on the ice for the first time since the surgery. Mm, yeah. And it was... Like you could just tell every ounce of your body was just going through pure joy. Oh yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. It was so, yeah. it was just like knowing that that had happened and seeing you at the rink and everything before that and knowing how much hockey and being on the ice meant to you, seeing you on there was just, uh, it made me happy. I know Logan may have even cried as well <laughs> watching it. Yeah. Um, what kind of kept you going after the surgery and, and all the rehab and what was the driving so, force to get you back on the ice and everything? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you say, it was, it was just pure joy to get back out there and, and hockey's always been like your, your safe place. You know, there's nothing from life can follow you on the ice unless yeah. you let it. Right. So, um, incredible to get back out there, but what, what kept me going? I was, I was ex incredibly uh, taken back and blown away by the amount of support that, uh, that was shown my way. Uh, I had messages coming in from all over the country from, um, you know, parents uh, who I've coached their kids, uh, from, from, from that to to, to you know <laughs> other other opposing players yeah, uh, the, yeah. the guy who actually did it himself reached out uh, so that the stampede organization reached out um so it was it was i think getting all those messages um and and the outpour of, of support that was uh definitely a boost to the spirits and and uh, i i tried to draw strength from it just to say that you know i've got a lot of people behind me and, and a lot of support and um and i just to be fair the light at the end of the tunnel was just getting out there again and mm -hmm. that's why there was so much joy when i finally was able to get out there because uh for a while there like i said i wasn't sure what uh, the future held for my hockey career and yeah. so 
finally getting back out there was just pure elation and and uh yeah it's it's just a, a testimony to to all the support that i received and um locally here with the auckland ice hockey association i mean it, it was just amazing i i yeah just blown away is hmm. that the worst worst injury you've had it's up there i i, I would definitely say yeah worst yeah. Uh, as far as the horrific nature of it i mean like bleeding all over like that and mm. and the crowd like I, I i had parents call me and stuff after the fact be like that's the scariest shit we've ever seen like <laughs> I, I brought i wow. brought my little girl for her first game and there yeah. you, you know what i mean and it was like so so on the horrificness yes <laughs> because there was the blood but um what i did in college was was up there too uh with my ankle so i i destroyed it pretty good so I've still got a plate and seven screws in it and um, and had to get all the, the deltoid ligaments stitched back together. I tore all four of them completely, ruptured them. Uh, so when I looked down at my foot, it was actually off to the side. Ugh, I displaced ooh, it by, by an inch and a half. So that one was also pretty tough and that, that ended up ultimately ending my college career. So um, they're, they're right up there. And then all, all the head <laughs> knocks are up there too. You know, like, I mean, I had post-concussion syndrome in junior for, for six months and that was hell yeah. trying to come back from that. You'd have, you'd have a, a week where you felt great and all of a sudden you're back to square one and there's nothing to show for that injury. Mm -hmm. That was, I think mm -hmm. the hardest part was, was concussions and head knocks. You, you have nothing to show. You don't have a cast on a bone uh, or, or a cut that's healing, you know, and, and people tend to push you to come back sooner because you don't look hurt, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't play hockey without getting hurt sometimes it's yeah. part of the job description. So you just take it and, and just try to stay positive and keep pushing through. That's all you can do really. So now I know, um, it's, it's kind of a shitty thing to think about. Uh, but do you think that initial experience from when you dealt with the ankle, uh, injury, um, when you were at the, uh, you know, the university of Alaska Fairbanks, did that help you the next time? Uh, you were faced with a near career ending injury as say with the eye injury. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, you, you, once you get through sites like that old saying, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. I mean, there's, there's real truth to that in, in the sense that, um, when you, when you, when you overcome such an obstacle, the next one you're looking at is kind of like, oh, I can do this, you know, I've been through it before. Um, so yeah, no, definitely, um, you know, learning the patience and, and, um, understanding that you're going to have hard days, you're going to have, you know, down in the dumps days. And, and, and when, when, when the thing you love to do most in life gets taken from you, you go, you get depressed a little bit. I mean, I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to talk about that. And, um, and yeah, I definitely have battled depression with injuries and, and it's, uh, it's not fun, but again, every time you overcome that hurdle, you just, you, you're ready to face the next one. And I always, I always treat it like you just become a robot, you know, switch your brain off, do what you got to do, get through the rehab, um, and just one foot in front of the other, you know, and, and before you know it, you've taken 200 steps and you're, you're on the way to recovery. And so, um, I try to, I try to approach it as mindless as I can I accept the circumstance, deal with it and do what you got to do to get better. That's really all you can do. Um, now rewind a little bit. You grew up playing hockey in Alberta. Yep. You're a Flames fan. We were just talking Huge, about that before. Yeah. They're uh, <laughs> conference uh, winners and uh, yeah. division was, winners this year. Yeah, there was also a great, um, I think last year you actually went to go to a game and you were dressed in a Santa hat and you got on <laughs> yeah. TV because you were, oh, yeah. I think you were abusing uh, the other team. Absolutely. We're, we're in their ear. We are, we are the seventh man out there. Uh, no, um, no, I'm, I'm super stoked to see the flames clinch, um, playoff hockey. There's nothing like it. 
Um, but yeah, we, we end up making the jumbotron every Christmas. I go back and, and my, my best friend, Sam, uh, Dilwert, he's got four tickets that are right on the rail where the visitors come out onto the ice. And, um, since, since high school, we've been pretty vocal when we're there, we're, we're hockey players. So we know how to get their attention, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we've actually had back and forth with like Tyler Sagan and like the one night it was, uh, Barrett Jackman with the blues and we were all over Steve Ott. And, and just absolutely giving it to him. And Jackman looked up and he went, have one for me, boys, because we had beers in our hands. And we were like, you're a beauty, Jackman, you're a beauty. And so they ended up beating us in a, in a shootout. And uh, and on the way off the ice, Jackman came by and we were like, yeah, Jackman. We were booing everybody else, you know, grinding their gears. <laughs> but Jackman, we were like, yeah, buddy. And he ended up handing us his stick. Uh, so oh, wow. so oh, right behind us, uh, we looked at it and it's a lefty and all me and my buddies, we all shoot right. And a guy behind us was like, I'll give you 50 bucks for it now. And we're like, okay, sweet. So my buddy <laughs> Sam gave him, gave him the stick. We got 50 bucks and the casino is right in the same complex there as the, as the dome. So we put it, we put it on, uh, on roulette and let it ride and walked out with a thousand bucks. So, so Jackman, you did it, buddy. <laughs> what a story. Um, is it yeah. true that there's a like a beer at the Saddle Dome that's like, you don't know how much percentage is in it? Yeah, so we, we call it heroin beer. Right. Um, and, and the rumor is that it's like all the bottoms of the kegs and, right. and they just let it sit there and it sits in the tap lines. And so there's, there's obviously, I don't think it's real, but um, <laughs> for some reason though, maybe it's they pump oxygen in there or something, but I, I can I can handle six beers, but six yeah. of those and, and you're pretty toasted. So, um, but we, we had a rule growing up that uh, when, when we went in high school and stuff, well, over the age of 18, obviously. Of course, of course. Um, but it was that uh, you had to have two a period and, uh, and that led to some good fun in the third. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I kind of derailed your question there a little bit, Joe, with um, that awesome story. Um, uh, <laughs> that's okay. It was, that was a good yarn. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you were selected by the Saskatoon Blades. Yeah. For yeah. the WHL Bantam draft. Yeah. Um, but you went to the, you went the college route. Yeah, why, I did. Why the college route? Well, I, um, in hindsight, you know, I'm not sure I would have done things the same way. Um, I had a lot of opportunities young and, and, and peaked pretty early as far as my skill development. And, um, and I was offered contracts um, from the time I was drafted. Uh, so that, that following year, they offered me like a seventh defenseman type uh, spot on the team. And I was adamant about finishing school at home. Um, you know, mom didn't want to see me go and I wasn't quite mature enough yet to, to move away from home. And so um, missed a few opportunities, but, uh, but I ended up, yeah, deciding to take more or less the, the slow track and, uh, work my way through junior A and, and get a scholarship. And, um, the, the, the benefit to that is the education that gets covered, but, uh, obviously the WHL has done great work and, and so has all of major junior in Canada, um, as far as providing academic opportunities outside of hockey once, once players are done. And I know that now it's a year for a year. So if you play a year at the WHL, OHL, QMJHL level, depending on your contract, which is different for, from player to player, but you you get yourself a year of CIS. Um, but back then, you know, CIS was more or less what we call a graveyard league. You're not moving out of CIS to go anywhere, mm. really. You're more or less getting your degree and, and then moving on, you know. Um, and so, but that's that's changed now. Tons of players are coming out of CIS and and uh, going to play pro in Europe. And so it's 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 now used more as, as a stepping stone. And again, uh, a bit more of a development focus because you play less games and you practice a ton. Yeah. Um, which is opposite for, for major junior. You're, you're playing a ton, you're on the road a ton and not as much practice. So, um, but I, I feel like in my situation, I might've benefited from, 
fast tracking a bit more and, and going the dub route. Um, so in hindsight, I don't know, it, it would be, it'd be, it'd be tough. It'd be a coin toss. I think if I were to do it all over again, but I might, I might try, try my luck with the WHL. <laughs> I mean, even so, like, I feel that's a pretty mature decision to make back then, uh, that you would put your, you know, your schooling first ahead of, you know, a potential career path in hockey. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I had some, some good mentors and, um, and, and people who had been the college route, um, and some, some dads of players I played with in minor hockey and stuff that had, that had gone to college. And, um, and again, college was trending upwards back then too. I mean, it, it, there was tons of players getting signed and, and, and drafted out of, out of NCAA. So, um, I, I just thought, you know what, it, it can't hurt anything. And, and, um, it was also too, like being a small player uh the whl is pretty big you know all the major junior guys are pretty big and so i thought you know ncaa at that time was a lot more speed uh uh, more skill and smaller guys and so i thought that might be a better fit for for what i brought to the table but um but yeah you you never know hindsight's always 2020 that's the thing so it's easy to sit back and say i should have done this or would have done that but um at the end of the day i wouldn't be here with you guys so (laughs) Yeah, oh, you, thanks, did, you did something wrong. You definitely did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Rate yourself higher, buddy. Um, <laughs> is there any any kind of notable players on that on that uh, Saskatoon squad that so you I, would have been in the team with if you'd gone that way? Yeah, well, I mean, the year that I was there, I, I ended up uh, getting in a fight with my friend who was drafted in the seventh round. I was drafted in the 10th, uh, Wyatt Hamilton. And and we knew that, you know, major junior, you got to fight and show that you're ready to stand up. So we thought, let's fight each other. <laughs> I, I say friend loosely. We knew each other. We were acquainted, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but we ended up getting fight of the day honors and, and had a big cheer after the fight. And he, claw- he clocked me so good right off the start. I had no idea what I was doing. Never been in a fight before. And I went to grab and totally missed. And he just absolutely cold cocked me right in the side of the, the mouth. And um, I couldn't see anything but white for like five seconds. So I seat belted and then ended up landing a few. But um, with that said, I ended up hurting my wrist a little bit. And um, I was riding the bike next to Mike Green, who was oh, wow. uh, he was captain of the team uh, and was injured through camp and they didn't play those types of high profile players during camp, you know, training camp. So they don't want to risk injury or some big meathead coming in off the prairies. It's just going to try to tune them. So, um, but I, I, that same year, Devin Setaguchi was there. Um, so yeah, there was, it was, it was, it was cool. It was really cool. I mean, I, I went to the camp two years in a row, 16 and 17, and uh was just incredibly eye-opening it's it's like the pros you know you got equipment guys doing everything and um and they they did a good job of taking care of the draft picks like we got we got some pretty pretty good treatment got to meet all the um the sponsors and and have some really good chats with people and and awesome networking so it was it was cool it was really cool one thing i think um and like we're looking through your junior career one thing i think is awesome i'm probably going to completely screw up the pronunciation of the team name here but um playing for the uh, nsfl eagles of the chinook hockey league yep yeah you were coached by the great brian sutter himself uh, absolutely yeah a, yeah a wow. man who yeah a man who's achieved many feats in his career including winning the jack adams in 91 with the blues so you know what are some things you learned from coach sutter that still sticks with you today yeah. Um, I mean, he was, he was a, a funny guy. <laughs> um, I, I will say that he probably was less intense than he would have been with the blues when he won the Jack Adams, but, uh, <laughs> but no, he, he was, uh, 
he's an old school hockey mind, you know, everything was about, you know, sacrificing the body and finish your checks. And, um, and, and, you know, he, I, I only, I was only coached by him for uh, a handful of games. And then I ended up getting traded to Sylvan Lake, the admirals actually funny enough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, Sutz was just, uh, he was, he was a good guy. He was a hard nosed bastard, you know, he was, uh, <laughs> rarely cracked a smile. Um, but, uh, but no, he, he just, he, he harped on being a good teammate on, on, you know, putting the team first, sacrificing yourself for, for what needs to be done, whether it's blocking shots or standing up for, for a guy in a scrum or whatever it might be. So, um, he ran a really tough team. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just tried to soak up as much as I could from a guy like that with, with his, uh, his background in hockey, but, um, it was different. We only practiced once a week in the Chinook hockey league. So Wednesday night was practice night and I would drive the two two hours from Calgary to do it and there was a carpool of guys that would leave Calgary and drive to Innisfail and back so we got home at like 2 30 in the morning after practice so um, but you're, you're not around each other as much as you'd like and then mm. games you, you kind of hop on the bus and um, to be fair Satsi was a bit of a no-go on the bus so he just <laughs> sat on the bus and got to the games and and yeah no it was it was uh it was interesting, but I would have loved to have spent more time, um, especially in practice, just to, to pick his brain and um, having having been there and done that uh, would have been would have been really cool to, to yeah, learn a bit more. I'd feel I, I didn't get enough out of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any other memories playing junior hockey in Canada that kind of stick out as like players you played against? Or? Oh, like, I mean. I'm seeing actually a teammate of mine, Corbin Knight, is doing awesome with the Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers yeah. and uh, and he set up Giroux for a nice two on one there the other night, and um, and Corbin was just a, a great guy. Um, so I, I played, I, I was lucky enough to play with and against a lot of guys that have have made the NHL, and um, I think fondest memory, or, or I guess coolest memory was was actually uh we had we had a, a an nhl drafted goalie brad eidsness who ended up going to north dakota and was in the buffalo uh saber system and uh we ended up playing against uh shannon zabados's team wow. um and she was uh she was just unbelievable and so we met them in the um in the semifinal of the AJHL championships that year. And uh, it went to seven games and Shannon's team beat us. And, and it was like unbelievable to see her doing what she was doing. I mean, we, we had no solution. There was yeah. nothing yeah. we could do. <laughs> we threw everything we could at her and, and just could not score. Um, and they had, they had Connaughton who is, is now in the NHL uh, and, a, and a couple other players, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I remember the battles against Camrose. Those were huge because, because Okotoks and Camrose, it was always sort of top two in the South of the AJHL and, um, you know, guys like Joe Colburn, who, who I, I ended up playing at the edge with and then, and then played against in junior and, um, some of the battles we'd have, and you can imagine I'm he's pretty like a, small he's and he's six foot. Yeah. He's six foot like six. Right. So trying to cover him in front of the net, there was no getting his stick. It's like Schneider. What, what the yeah. hell are you going to do? Um, and so, yeah, I just, yeah, I go back to all those, those types of times. And to be fair, like junior, juniors, the glory days, the, yeah. like jun, juniors, what you'd go back to if you had a choice, you know, and, um, and. And yeah, I just, uh, there's days I still don't feel like I've graduated from junior. Like I still feel like it's just, you know, it's, 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 I'm still in that sort of mindset, but it's, uh, yeah. If, if you could rewind time, my God, I'd love to give it another crack. It's pretty cool. <laughs> now, uh, like obviously you've kind of been a bit of a natural born leader. It seems, you know, throughout your career, you, you wore the C, uh, uh, 
little bit during your time playing juniors in Alberta. And of course, now you are in New Zealand with the West Auckland Admirals. So, you know, like, how would you, how do you think you would describe your leadership style when you wear that C? Um, good, good question. Um, uh, I, yeah, I guess uh, for me, I, I just, I just love being amongst the boys and, 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 uh, and I love the time of, of like, just you're, you're playing alongside 21 best friends. So, so for me, top priorities is to be tight with everybody. Um, and, and I, I like having fun. I like joking around. I'm, I'm not exactly, um, you know, like a dictator style leadership. Um, but there is a line and, and you have to understand when it's time to, to have fun and, and when it's business time. And, um, I joke with some of the kids I coach that drill sergeant Daigle isn't afraid to come out every once in a while. And there, <laughs> there have definitely been times, uh, over my career where I've had to bark a little bit, but, um, I think I, I do a decent job at, at making sure everybody understands that uh, it's constructive and, and it's because I care, um, about them as individuals and, uh, the team as a whole. And, and, as as captain you know a team success is is a huge reflection on on you know how you're handling things and and what you're doing and so i always just tried to make sure that that uh, i was doing things the right way and leading by example and um you know just just trying to trying to make sure that the team comes first and do everything i can to to help the team have success that's that's really all i care about at the end of the day is the the, the brothers you're playing alongside that's all it's about nice um, you touched a little bit on on coaching the, the kids. Mm. So you're now the the coach of the New Zealand under twenties teams. Yeah. Um, how's that transition been going from a like a player to an actual full time head coach? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's tough at times because uh, you, you do have to shut off the player side of you. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> there, there's so much of you that just wants to go out there and, and, and do, do it. it yourself and. Yeah lead by example in that sense, you know, and execution is huge thing as far as leading by example and, and knowing the systems. And so when you're teaching it and, and you can't just go out and do it and show it, it it's, it's different, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy that age group mainly because I, I go back to coaches I've had in my career and, and some of the lessons that they instilled, um, that, that still stick with me today. And, I, I'm a firm believer that, that, um, hockey, but, but all team sports, um, it's it's more than just wins and losses and championships. It's 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 the lessons you learn along the way about just being a good person and overcoming adversity and setting goals and being one part of a big puzzle, you know. And um, and so I, I just try to pass on as much of that type of experience that I've gained over my career and and try to to, to pass on some lessons that that I learned from from some pretty influential coaches. And so um, again, it's it's just an honor and a privilege to to be able to have any impact. On, on youth but mm. uh but to to yeah to to be able to to coach them and and have that um that responsibility is is something i i cherish for sure uh, speaking of um you know lessons being learned here uh obviously the um uh, well unfortunately the under 20s ended this year's double hf tournament uh without a win so as as their head coach you know what were some of your main takeaways from that performance well um it's always the coach's fault right um, so <laughs> we're not saying that we're not saying yeah. that. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, but no, it, um, 
yeah, it was, it was obviously disappointing. You know, you're still a part of the team and you're the competitive side isn't, is never gone. And so, um, for me, I, I don't like losing. Um, but at the same time, uh, you can learn a lot from it and, and you can learn about bouncing back and, and dealing with that adversity and, um, how to maintain positivity, how to still be constructive as a teammate and, and, and as a person. And, um, so it was tough. It was a tough two years at that level, uh, without a win, uh, other than um, a tie against Iceland in the pre-tournament this year. Um, so obviously results, I'd, I'd love to be able to change them, but um, but the, it is what it is. And um, RMO as coaches, because AJ uh, Spiller was my counterpart and, and um, a great coach, great hockey mind. And uh, we both, you know, made it our mandate that, that regardless of outcome and regardless of result, we're still going to do our job, which is prepare the team as best we can and, and um, pass down as much knowledge and, and and, uh, and teach as many lessons as we possibly can. And um, at the end of the day, uh, no wins doesn't look great, but I'm, I'm still confident in the job that we did and, and what we were able to pass on to those those kids. And um, hopefully we, we see a bunch of them wearing Ice Blacks jerseys in the future. Yeah, yeah cause, it's open. Because the, uh, the under-18s also finish without a, without a win. Do you, I mean, people might freak out and oh, what's going on with youth hockey in New Zealand? But where do you see the future of the sport in New Zealand? Are, is those are those teams to create ice blacks, or mm. what is the kind of your thoughts on the purpose of those? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a tough one, but um, I think the future looks bright. I mean, regardless of the international outcomes right now that we're seeing, uh, it's unfortunate. I, I watched a bunch of those under under eighteen games, and mm. man, they could have won yeah, yeah, any one yeah. of those. Yeah. You know, and, overtime and so, and shootouts, overtime and... shootouts, and and to get relegated after such close contests, yeah. it's not like yeah. they were getting blown out. Like my heart goes out to them because mm. they did fight real hard, and they were in those games, and yeah. um, they just couldn't seem to get on top of it. You know. Um, so it's a tough one. And, and, and again, there'll, there'll be lots of lessons to learn, but I think the future looks great. Um, really, really bright. Uh, we're, I can only really speak on behalf of Auckland because I'm, I'm involved with the AIHA and, and I'm constantly coaching those kids and, and, uh, numbers are at an all time high. Uh, which is awesome to see um, because that just means that the percentage of players that you're taking out of the pool are, are going to be that much better. Mm -hmm. And so um, as the numbers continue to grow, then then uh, I think, uh, yeah, things are trending in the right direction. Um, I've been saying it for years and it's finally really starting to happen. And, and uh, it's, it's a courtesy to people within the Federation now that are doing a good job of steering things the right direction. But we need to standardize the approach mm -hmm. and, and um, make sure that the same messages are being delivered across the country and that's not to say we need one person saying here's how you do it and this is how you do it um but we we definitely need to to standardize the approach to to coaching these kids so that uh, when they do come together for these these you know international competitions they've been hearing the same stuff year round you know um nothing's new um because the reality is i mean with, with with our situation everything was having to be taught from scratch you know systems that that are pretty basic and and should be learned at a, at a much younger uh level just just weren't there and mm. so 
that takes time. And when you have a condensed training camp, now you're spending too much time teaching, not enough time organizing chemistry and your lineup and, and those types of things. And so, um, but no, all in all, I think it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. And we got some awesome regional camps happening at the under 16 level with that program. And I know Paris Hyde is, uh, is running that stuff with, uh, uh, some guidance from Darren Blong and, and Darren's doing a great job of, of putting together these plans and, um, really making sure that it's rolled out across the country and, and that it's a standardized approach. And uh, in, in my idea, that's the right way to do it. Yeah. So um, Now, I know we'll, you've got to rush off to uh, Admiral's training very shortly, but we'll try and squeeze in a couple of more questions here. Um, speaking of, you know, the future of the game in New Zealand, aside from the potential of an expansion to have a Wellington team in the, in the NZHL, what do you think that, that league needs to do to, you know, jump ahead from where we are now to become, you know, something bigger and better? Yeah. It's, it'll always be a common theme when I'm asked these types of questions. Uh, sponsorship. We need, we need money. Um, that, that, that really is, I mean, it's what's holding back a lot of progress in my mind is, is just finance because um, there's guys every year that are good hockey players that just can't afford to do it. And um, you, you, you talk about, you know, under 20 level. Well, I tell you what, that's the drop-off age because of finance. If, it, if it's going to cost a 19 year old who's now moved out of home, mm-hmm. doesn't have their parents paying for anything anymore, has their first job in their life and is going to uni, where are they meant to come up with five and a half grand to go represent their country, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so that's why we see the trend of, of drop off at, at those age groups. And um, and that just carries on. Once you lose them, the, the, the chances are they're not coming back. So if they drop out at 19, I don't think we're going to see them rejoining um, any time after that. So uh, it's it's how do you keep them in the sport? How do we try to cut down the cost to the local players? Um, because they, they all have to pay to play in this league. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so really the, the big inhibitor at this point is, is exposure and, and sponsorship. And that's why you guys are doing such a good job. And, and I'm always happy to come on here is because you're getting it out there. You're, you're, you're pumping it, you're, you're covering it. And that's what we need because, uh, the more it's seen and the more it gets noticed, um, it's only a matter of time before somebody wants to throw some money at it and help it develop and, and take it to the next level. And so just, uh, yeah, keep doing what you guys are doing. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Lastly, uh, so preseason started for the Admirals starting tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, What what do you think you, what do you think it's going to take for you guys to repeat as champions? A hell of an effort. Um, You know, you only, the target on your back only gets bigger. That's Mm. the thing. And so, um, you know, the, the, we had a few personnel changes and, and, and all that. And, um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, the, it comes down to hard work preparation. Um, and so it's just, it's just going to be a matter of, of everybody working together and, and continuing what we, what we got done last year and, and not getting complacent. And, uh, the second you, you get complacent, that's when you're done, you know? So, um, from, top to bottom it's just going to be every training every time we're in the gym every preseason game every game it's just a matter of taking steps forward and none backwards and um yeah just working our asses off <laughs> that's going to be the mo so um yeah nothing will change from last year as far as you know technical stuff maybe a few changes to some systems and um building on a few things that we we got started last year but um other than that it's just just going to be working as a team and and uh and working 
our asses off. Yeah, those crosstown games are gonna have a little bit, <laughs> bit extra spice with them now. With, <laughs> yeah. Rick, yeah. with Rick playing in goal, we, we're just gonna be crashing the net a yeah. little bit harder. We we wished him well, but I also <laughs> said I can't wait to go bar down on you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, Daisy, thanks so much for uh, coming back onto the podcast to relive the magic that we that we lost almost two years ago, uh, actually. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It took that long, eh? I know. <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're boys. A busy it's man. busy. It's well. It's just like coaching hours are all outside of work, <laughs> and you guys work, you know, a normal job, and so it's just it's. Tough. Logan lives in Sydney now. Yeah, so. now now we got that to deal with, and now, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and and this one feels like it was half the the amount of time we spent last time. It wasn't last it one was. like an hour and a half or something? It, yeah. yeah, it was. I think we can have to do a part two at some point because there's, I think there's so still too. so much stuff that we need to touch on here. Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on, Dagsy, and all the best for the NZHL season coming up. Hey, cheers for that, boys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Park yeah! It's New Zealand's home for hockey. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or with your favorite podcast app for the latest episodes. Follow the team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Puckyear NZ. And for your fix of hockey news, go to puckyear.nz. Puckyear.